You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a nice, pretty Monday out there. Not a cloud in the sky. At least where we're looking out. we got a nice window seat out here, out into the beautiful, wide open expanse. How you guys doing today, beginning your week off? Doing fantastic. I'm really excited about this week. It's spring break for me, uh, so I'm going to get to kind of chill out with you guys uh, over the course of the week, so it should be fun. I mean, it's good for me. It's The weather's warming back up. I'm excited to get to go outside again. I'm looking looking rather pale over here. I want to get some sun on my skin and get a little tan going on. Still a little chilly, though. A little bit, but it's supposed sun's to, a little far away at the moment. It's supposed to be around like 80 this Friday, if I'm that's not mistaken. Great. Yeah, that's great news going into the weekend with 80 degree weather. Sounds like fishing weather to me. Sounds like baseball weather to me. Oh, baseball weather. That's what you think. That's exactly where the brain always goes for you. I'm trying to forget this weekend, but we'll talk about that later. We'll get to Auburn baseball later, but first. Let's talk some Auburn basketball ending the season on a high note. Auburn defeating Mississippi State 78-71 to to finish their year off 13-14 and 7-11 and and in conference play. We got a packed show for you guys today. We're going to talk Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball. Will and Miss Fortune today coming up in the last segment of this hour. We will regrettably recap baseball this weekend once again. And then uh, the SEC tournament bracket is set as well. So we got a lot to cover today. We'll start with this Auburn basketball game. What did Auburn do well? How did they defeat Mississippi State here, finishing the year off strong, 78-71? Well, what they did was they shot enough threes to keep themselves in the game. I mean, Mississippi State, 2 of 10 from outside the arc. Auburn, 11 of 33 from three-point land. Uh, Mississippi State, we talked about this a little bit uh, on Friday. Mississippi State, not necessarily known as an offensive threat, Um, They don't really shoot well from outside, but what they do really well is they control the glass and they go inside with their bigs, and that's what they tried to do against Auburn. It worked for about three quarters of the game, and then Auburn started to take over. So that's what Auburn did is they just shot themselves into a win. Mississippi State, not a very dynamic offense, so they slowly just kind of lost the game. I'm I'm really impressed with the turnovers. I'm I'm excited. That's where where my eyes were. I was excited at the fact that, you know, nine turnovers – that's impressive for a team that has done nothing but turn the ball over in double digits exclusively throughout the entire year. And we said it all year long. You want to see if this team can improve on it. And last game, they did. No Shreve Cooper, and they still managed to get that turnover under the double digit mark. And Mississippi State's one of the better defensive teams in this league, one of the more efficient defensive teams in the SEC, even in the country. They were a top 40 defensive efficient team or defensive efficiency team in college basketball according to Ken Palm's rankings going into the weekend and Auburn handled it really well not turning the ball over but as you said only nine times now they didn't turn Mississippi State over that much only nine times as well but Auburn didn't lose the turnover battle and that's a big part of them winning this game and and when you only win a ball game by seven points 
a couple of turnovers that translate to buckets on the other end of the floor, if you're in the negative in that department, that can be the difference between you winning 78-71 to and losing 78-71 to because that's a possession that you lose and a possession that they gain and points for them that goes against you. So this Auburn basketball team, that was an area that we talked about. They had to do well in turnovers. We also brought up free throws often. This basketball team didn't dominate in the free throw department, but they made up for it in dominating at the three-point line, whereas an area that we didn't think they were going to do that going into this game. So Auburn found enough to get it done over the weekend. I mean, Dylan Cardwell shooting 100%. That's going to help you out. 100% for three-point range. Whew, just call him Ray Allen Jr. already. <laughs> he was already headed back to defense on that play, and he just catches the basketball and throws it up. I love it. Let's head to the phone lines here. Phone lines are open. The number to call, 334-321-1390. Already on the line with us, starting his week off the right way. Trill is on the line with us. Trill, how you doing today, my man? This here is Trill from Greensboro, and I guess I'm doing all right. I don't know about starting my week off on the right foot. My wife got me outside taking the last It's good weather. She wants to go just kind of go out and work and all this good old stuff. But it's it's whatever. But I'm coming here to talk about some old Auburn athletics. So what's on your mind? Well, I had a buddy of mine send me an article a couple of days ago, and it said Auburn got swept by Alabama in so many such and such major sports for the first time. Since the 1970s, and I, I'm sitting here racking my brain about, it, and and it can and it's, it's true. We ain't beat we ain't beat Alabama in nothing all year. It's it's just ticking me off. Got rid of Gus. Baseball blowing their blowing their getting their tails blown out last weekend. Basketball just doing whatever basketball is doing. It's just we Auburn's getting behind y'all. I don't know what we gonna do. That fella, uh, who who's AD Green Green Allen Green. He's on thin ice for me. I don't know about y'all. Well, I, I think you've got you to understand that Alan Green's only hire that he's made is this most recent one with Brian Hartson, and he's about to make another hire with Auburn women's basketball, which is the right decision to move on from Coach Flo. So I don't think you can say anything right now about Alan Green as an athletic director. Also, you can't be unhappy with Bruce Pearl. You can't be unhappy with Butch Thompson for their track record. And Auburn baseball, it's still early right now. We'll talk about that later on the show. I mean, this is a lot to unpack here, but look, the baseball season's early. Auburn hasn't gotten swept by Alabama in baseball yet, but I understand this has been a tough year. It's not fun to watch Alabama basketball do what they're doing if you're an Auburn fan, and that's the sport that's kind of been your saving grace in this rivalry, something that you can look forward to. And then uh, with with football as well, I mean, obviously we know the situation with that, but I don't think that you can put any blame on, on Alan Green because – he hasn't had to. He hasn't had to make any hires yet, and, and nobody's calling for Bruce Pearl or Butch Thompson's head, and they shouldn't be. Wins and losses live forever. First of all, well, number one, Bruce got us in trouble. Why aren't we qualified for the NCAA's this year? It's his fault. That was self-imposed, and the NCAA, like there, there's no, there's no indication whatsoever, at least from, like like Auburn hasn't announced that there's any type of um, notice of allegations from the NCAA inside the athletic department. So we don't know what's going on with basketball right now. But, you know, they, they self-imposed that. The NCAA didn't bring anything down on that. But seriously, though, I, I want to know, like, would you really want to move on from Bruce Pearl? Even if Bruce Pearl did get Auburn in trouble, I don't think Auburn should fire Bruce Pearl, barring, you know, certain circumstances. Like, I don't know. Like, I would have to know what what he did wrong before I could categorically say that. But if Auburn got put on probation in basketball, 
I don't know if I would even decide to move on for Bruce Pearl because I don't know how many coaches I'd be confident in to bring Auburn's basketball program out of a period like that. Yeah, it's just it's just Bruce doing a good job and all this stuff, whatever. But he has a track record of getting schools on probation. But you're right, he's beaten. But he's beaten Avery. He's beaten Quaker Oats, whoever Bama's got is there, head coach over there. But I just don't like it. I feel like Auburn's got such negative kind of thing with the NCAA already. And with their smoke, there's fire. I just don't know. I just want to see Alabama. I don't see us doing that anything anytime soon. They already took our baseball coach, and that series is going to be a big series. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll just have to see for baseball. I think Auburn's baseball program's in a better spot than Alabama's is, despite what happened this past weekend. Um, and uh, also the point in, in people's hat, kind of going back to what you were talking about with that article that was sent uh, to you about you know how Alabama's flipped Auburn into major sports. Think about it this way. Brad Bohannon came from Auburn. He was an assistant. Auburn created that and sent him up there. You know what I mean? In the football track record, Auburn oftentimes has been the school to hire the Alabama coach. There's been many times where we've seen that. And now it's starting to happen a different way where baseball, they they hired an Auburn guy. So I, I think that should be a point of pride for Auburn folks that not necessarily rooting for Alabama up, uh, up, you know, on the western side of the state, but just saying, hey, like, you know, at least he was an Auburn product and it wasn't vice versa. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, I'll tell you one thing, fellas. This weather show got me feeling good. I'm sure enough ready to be down there in Jordan Hare. It's about the only game we get to go to every year, but if we can get to a like this for a day, it'd be good to see what Harson's going to do, see what he's going to do with the quarterback competition. Hopefully we get a little bit of pressure behind Bo Nick and see what we got going on in that situation. Yeah, Trill, we're hoping for uh, for no rain when it comes around to April 17th for A-Day. We're hoping for what we got today because it's uh, it's pretty outside. Trill, I appreciate you taking the time to call us today. Don't be a stranger, my man. Roll tight. That was Trill on the line with us. And once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390. Guys, I want to go back to the Bruce Pearl part and him bringing up the current situation with Auburn basketball with the NCAA and once again it's important to note that the program right now has not announced any type of notice of allegations from the NCAA unlike some other schools that have we don't know if the university has that they could and just not have made it public there's no rule out there that says they have to make it public so there could be a notice of allegations inside the university and we just not know about it but you can't report on something that you don't know about so you have to assume here in the studio right now that there is no notice of allegations and there's a self-imposed postseason ban for, I guess, all of that stuff that happened back in 2017 with the investigation into the program. We just don't know what is inside behind closed doors because it's been it's been kept behind closed doors pretty well, right? Nobody's been able to report on it. Nobody's been able to dig into it and find anything. But I want to hear from you guys on this because I made a take there, and uh, you know, I said, you know, I'd have to know what happened. I, obviously, all that stuff would have to come to light before I would think about you know moving on for Bruce Pearl or anything but I don't think if Auburn does go into probation depending on how bad it is I don't know if you have to move on from Bruce Pearl yeah I don't think moving on for Bruce Pearl unless the NCAA forces us to move on from Bruce Pearl is a good idea you've seen what he's been able to do with this basketball program it would have to be like a major show calls and like some really bad stuff have happened or in my words it'd have to be dramatic but yeah I don't I don't think there's any cause for moving on from Bruce Pearl although it does concern me next year what exactly the NCAA is going to do I mean obviously we self-imposed this ban just hoping that the NCAA wouldn't do anything else to our program but they haven't announced whether or not they are going to just accept that and move on 
So concerned for the future, but I don't think it's going to be any sort of punishment that's serious enough to kick Bruce Pearl out of the program. South Carolina just got the like the NCAA just accepted South Carolina self-imposed penalties, which didn't even include an NCAA tournament ban or a postseason ban. Auburn's gone a step further than even what South Carolina did, and South Carolina didn't get but a you know a slap on the wrist, and that they're, they're they basically said we're going to keep our eyes on you, and that's about it. And that's that's good for Auburn moving forward. We think, we, but we like think South it, Carolina's yeah. history hasn't been as good as Auburn's. Yeah, it makes it makes sense that you're looking recent at recent history. Yeah, recent history anyway, because they do have a Final Four in the last you know six years. But oh man, since that 2017 mark, Auburn has done more than South Carolina has. That's yeah, agreed. You think it's, they they would void that Final Four? You think the NCAA might do that? Is that a possibility? Yeah, you can't take that memory from me. I, I hope they. As you know, intern Sting in the house right now, the the Astros fan and the supporter of organizational cheating, his big thing that he holds on to is he as he says, bring it on right now. The big thing that he hangs his hat on is he says you can't take away that World Series ring from me, and the MLB didn't. Very the MLB s- didn't decide to vacate it. So I kind of wish the NCAA wouldn't do that because you really can't erase Va- the memories. Vacating is the absolute dumbest of, penalty yeah. to me. It, it makes no sense. We saw it happen. You can't say no, it didn't happen. It's like we the Louisville it. thing in 2014. It's like, eh, well, you might. Of taking that title away from him, but they still won the title. It's they, like you can't yeah. take that away from these kids and this fan base. You Reggie Bush won the Heisman. We saw Reggie Bush win the Heisman. That's it's, the yeah. one that I, I kind of understand it to a degree with teams that cheated to get players into their program because they you, you they might not have won the title had they not cheated to get those players into the program, right? So I understand that. The Reggie Bush thing's the thing that confuses me always. It's like Reggie Bush didn't cheat while he was on the field. No. Reggie Bush would have won the Heisman wherever he was at. Just because yeah. he went to USC and received some impermissible benefits did not affect the fact that he won the Heisman. It didn't affect that he was the best college football player, regardless of where he was. Yes, USC was dominant at the time, but Reggie Bush was special. He would have won that anywhere if you put him on a TV screen. Yeah. So I don't get that one as much. I I I'm hoping that this is what I'm hoping this is going to go well for Auburn moving forward. I hope that this self-imposed penalty is all that they're going to have to do. Auburn can move on. You don't want to move on from Bruce Pearl though. Like you, no. Everything he's done in the past few years to help cultivate this Auburn. I mean, you think this this is our basketball program? Not just the program, but he's invested a lot into the community as well. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why he's been so successful because he invested in the community from day one. And I hate the fact that the show and the week has started off on such a negative point like this because I think it's absolutely preposterous to even suggest right now with so little information that we have that Auburn should be in any way unhappy with Bruce Pearl at the moment. I've seen stuff like that on social media. Ridiculous. I'm not here for it. But we understand everybody's got opinions and we welcome them here on On The Line. Please join us on the show. We'll be back in just a moment. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Once again, a big thank you out there to Trill for calling us on his Monday. The number to call, 334-321-1390. If you've got something on your mind, you got to get something off your chest sports related, bring it. We're here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Coming up in our next segment, we'll have Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports to talk to us. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's Radio Alabama Sports. 
Net. Going back to our Auburn basketball conversation in that previous segment before our phone call, Auburn basketball knocking off Mississippi State 78-71 to finish the year off. This is being billed right now as a momentum-building win. What kind of momentum does Auburn carry into the offseason? Well, I think the most important thing that I wanted to see from this game was how do our starters perform because our starters this year, aside from Cooper, who wasn't in this game, are most likely going to be our starters next season, just looking at some of these names. And then my, I think the biggest thing to take away f- for me out of the starters, momentum-wise, is how well Jamal Johnson played. I think we're going to see him at backup point guard next season, regardless of whether Sharif stays or leaves. You look at what he did, 14.7 assists and let's see two turnovers I mean that's solid that's a Sharif Cooper like line so looking at Jamal Johnson how he's progressed Bruce Pearl's put him in a position where he has to play a a position that he's not normally naturally comfortably playing you look at Justin Powell what he did to start the season he's a shooting guard Pearl put him at point guard those first two or three games he's a little uncomfortable with the ball he's a little uneasy obviously he did what he did does naturally which is shoot the ball well but he's not a comfortable point guard but as the games went on you saw him get comfortable handling the ball driving down the lane kicking he starts to see the floor better and you've seen the exact same thing with Jamal Johnson prototypical shooting guard you put him at point guard he's gotten more comfortable getting into the lane driving he doesn't look like a fish every time he tries to bounce in there he's very comfortable with the ball now he's seeing the floor well he's running Pearl's plays well that really excites me going into next season because if we can have a solid option one and then a solid option two because we've not had really either of those this consistently this season, this this team's going to be a lot better. Going to cut down on turnovers. I agree with that, and it's great to see that. He also isn't just sitting in the corner and shooting threes anymore. He's actually no. yeah, J- Jamal Johnson's actually getting involved. That's in Levi's gripe of the year. I've 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 been hard that on him. Kickers. I've, I've been hard on him. Hey, don't get me started. Hold on, on a minute. Hold on a minute before we keep going. I've got something that's incriminated you. What happened? You liked a tweet that was very pro punter of the no. New Orleans Saints with oh, yeah. Morstead. Well, Thomas Morstead helped win us a Super Bowl. I mean, that's my that's my boy. I will never say anything bad. It was time. We had to take him out old Yeller style, which was a little, you know, unfortunate, but it was time. It was time. His punts were going about, I don't know, five yards on average, it felt like <laughs> off the leg. Man, man, you can ride off into the sunset and retire off that onside kick in the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's that's my boy. I, I, re, I have nothing but respect for him, but yeah, it was time. <laughs> well, keep going with your thought here. A different question that I think I want to pose to both of you guys here about Auburn basketball. First of all, I don't think that this is a momentum win. You're about to go into the offseason. If Auburn had lost this game, are we going to say that this is going to carry Perfect over next into year. next season? No. no. And so I don't think you could say the same way that this is going to carry over positively. You're about to take some time off. You're going to get into the offseason. Regardless of whether or not you won or lost this game, you better come ready with your lunch pail in the offseason when it's time to work out and time to get ready to go. I think that's a, that, that that's all just talking. That's all just, you know, that, that that's just people saying something to say something, you know, and it's kind of cliche because I, I don't think it really matters going into the offseason because it's, it shouldn't affect them either way. They should go to work and work hard regardless. And I think that's going to happen. So my question to you guys here is then, what's the number one thing that Auburn must work on during this offseason? I think it's got to be turnovers. It has to be. This team, Interesting. This team has to be better at spreading the ball around without just looking and throwing. Like, there are so many different times that either Cambridge or Johnson early on or even Cooper will make a pass that's just like, 
uh, it, it shows how young they are. It's like you wouldn't make that pass if you were a senior. You wouldn't just throw that ball away. You wouldn't be. Not, you wouldn't. You would think about what you're doing with the basketball before you do it. And I think this team's going to have a little bit more chemistry next year. I think they're going to develop even more. And I think the most important thing that they have to do in order to get better is to cut down on turnovers because then they're going to have more possessions. You saw what they were able to do even whenever they were giving up 16, 17 turnovers a game. It's 80 points a game. Imagine how many more possessions and points you'll get if you just stop doing that. For me, the most important thing that Auburn needs to do to go off of your point here, I think it's more important that they develop chemistry as a unit which isn't totally their fault this past year considering all the injuries and Sharif Cooper didn't get to play for half the season and all that good stuff. I think that it's more important that Auburn develops chemistry, avoids injuries, that they're full and ready to go as a roster and that they're comfortable with each other because we've seen so many lineup changes this year. I think if they get the chemistry taken care of, it's going to work out and they're going to be able to play basketball without having to think because you're saying right now that it looks like that you know if maybe they just thought a little bit more that they wouldn't be making a pass like that it's like I think they're thinking too much I think that they're they are so I I think they're so bogged down by the fact that they're not comfortable in the system that they're in that they're having to think too much that they're playing a step behind the defense Mm -hmm. and that it is it is resulting in turnovers because they aren't comfortable in that system because they don't have that telepathy yet they don't have that muscle memory yet with their teammates they haven't developed that team memory yet as a group and I think you know just having an offseason together knowing who your guys are and hopefully avoiding injury that's going to help you out chemistry wise and maybe you can develop chemistry with different lineups I think Auburn's going to look a whole lot older next year not just for the fact that they all you know grew up a year but just for the fact that they played together for an entire season and then gotten to go into the offseason and really work on some of those areas that's going to take care of turnovers in a heartbeat yeah I think that's I think that's accurate I think it's fair to say it did seem at times that this team it didn't feel as I don't know tight or close-knit as you would like to see a basketball team Mm -hmm. they were just missing a little bit of chemistry which I do believe that they will be able to improve on going into the offseason because you're just getting more time together a lot of these guys are going to be returning if not you know most of this, like almost everybody's coming back. It's not like you're just going to have to revamp and reload and have all these different pieces. You guys are getting to build together and grow together. Well, since y'all both took both of mine that I was going to say, I was going to say chemistry. I was going to say turnovers. I want to see them play better defense. I'm, see, but I think chemistry makes them play better defense. I, I, and yeah. That's why I went with chemistry. There are good. You've seen basketball teams who are okay at defense play good to great levels of defense just because they are a close team and they have each other's back they can they know that the guy's in his position on defense and he's got his back he's got his ground he's covering what he has to cover and improves help defense tremendously help defense is so important and a lot of times it'll help on also things like backside rebounds and stuff like that that a lot of people tend to overlook when they're analyzing basketball at least you know just the average fan but things like that that comes from that just comes from chemistry it comes from being able to communicate with each other and knowing Knowing what your guy is, knowing what your guy's got, and knowing that you can trust him. Like you said, the telepathy. You know that he's going to be in that position every single time. You ain't got to worry about him. With the book closed on the season now, Sharif Cooper coming back. Has he played his last game in an Auburn uniform? I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I believe he, he is going to declare for the NFL or NBA draft. <laughs> yes, he's going twist. to the NFL That would draft. be a twist. A shocker. Five foot nine, 175. Um, Scat back. Scat a little back. late to get the combine invite, but you know. 
But uh, yeah, I think he declares. I think it's. I think his time is up, and I think Auburn's going to have to go after a grad transfer point guard or so, some some form some JUCO Javon McCormick type player uh, this offseason. A Ronnie Johnson. A Ronnie Johnson. If we could have either Ronnie Johnson or McCormick right now, I take him. I take him. That's fair. I, I agree with that. I think. Uh, I don't think Shreve Cooper comes back to Auburn. I think he's going straight to the NBA. I'm all alone. You're all alone. I'm all you're, alone. You're all alone <laughs> on your uh, optimism. I think he's coming optimism. back. I think he's coming back. You Sting, think- what say you? Am I all alone? Is he coming back? I think he should, but I don't know if he will. I, I, f- I, f- I feel like I agree with him, actually. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that he doesn't come so back. So here's it's my just- question to you, Noah. Do you think he should come back, or do you think he's just he is going to come back? Both are yeses to me. Okay. I think he should come back. I wonder if the coaching staff will sell that to him because they were so pro- Isaac Okoro going to the draft because he was a lottery pick and we've seen Sharif Cooper mocked in the lottery and in the top 10 even more so than just being in the lottery I think he's really going to struggle and I'm not being like we've seen enough of him at this point now to have a full evaluation I'm not trying to get into that biased Auburn fan category that some folks were in at the very beginning but I'll be honest I don't think this guy's 100% ready to play the point guard position in the NBA at a high level and when you draft a player, well, oftentimes, and, and and look, I feel like NFL teams hit more on their first-round draft picks than NBA teams hit on their first-round draft picks. And yes, there are fewer picks in the NBA, and the draft structure is a lot different, but I feel like we see more bust in the lottery in the NBA than maybe you see in the top 10, top 15 in football. I don't know what why that is, and I, and, you know, I know we're comparing apples and oranges between the NBA and the NFL, mm-hmm. but... If you are drafting inside the top 10, you needed that pick. Mm-hmm. And you're expecting that guy to be a, a future piece in your franchise for quite some time. That's why you draft him there. That's that You're hoping that this guy helps you rebuild. How many times do we actually see that work out? In the NBA. In the NBA. Not a whole lot. Exactly. It, like, you don't NBA think about usually... this too much, but like think about how many of the top five picks end up actually, or top ten picks actually end up not being very good. It's usually top one or two. Like, one to three is usually your, like, almost guaranteed range. And then everything else, is, it's it's just a shoot. I mean, you're just kind of rolling the dice and taking a gamble and hoping that a guy pans out to what he could be. And you know with Sharif Cooper, and we'll revisit this, in a, in a couple of segments because running out of time here but you know that Sharif Cooper can't shoot the three very well mm-hmm. and his shooting mechanics are all wonky right now I don't know how you have confidence that he's going to hit in the NBA if he can't score so that's something that you'll have to address but I, I don't I, I think it would help him to come back we'll be back with more of on the line on the other side of this break stay with us everybody stay on the line more of the show when we come back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And as promised, joining us on the line, you got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? Beautiful weather out. Yeah, great day, guys. I um, got some big news coming out of you guys' area, with, and then it, that news is traveling my way. I guess we'll get into that uh, in a second, but I hope you guys are doing well. Tough weekend for Auburn baseball. Auburn basketball not in the SEC tournament. I'm trying to figure out what you guys are talking about all day. Man, we came into this show so positive, 
And uh, everybody, uh, everybody has just rained on us since we got you, here. Have you been listening uh, to the to the entire show so far, Jeremy? Or do we pick you at no, a good I've been, time? I've been I've been writing uh, stories about uh, Beauregard's head coach coming to be the new head coach at Silicaga. So I'm just the first time I've heard your voice all day. Yeah. Hey. Well, it's it's good to hear from you, man. Well, let's get into that then, uh, because this is big news, not only locally in our area, Auburn Opelika. Considering Borgard does have that uh that Opelika area location, and then uh, coming up to your neck of the woods as well, that this and those two are region opponents. They've been playing each other in football, and this is a uh, you know this this is big considering Silicaga's you know traditionally seven eight win team. Um, Coach Andrew Zow's leaving the program in a good place. He uh, he got some good talent into the program as well. Tell me about this as Borgard's Rob Carter, head coach of the Hornets. Uh, has been recommended to the Silicaga City Schools Board of Education to be the next head coach of the Silicaga Aggies. Yeah, so like you said, it is not final. The board meeting is Wednesday at noon, but you know this is a guy that's lifted a state championship trophy in 2016. Uh, he's had the Aggies number for uh, for quite a while. Um, he did lose to Silicaga this year. I think he had some circumstances going on there. I think they only dressed like 25 kids due to COVID this year. Last three years at Beauregard haven't been phenomenal, but listen, this is a guy with a championship pedigree, third-rounder deeper in the playoff uh, three separate times. He's only been a head coach for seven years, but that is some really good experience. He's a guy that players like playing for. He knows the X's and O's. He can get the kids out in the school. Um, if this gets passed, and it looks like it probably will by the Silicon City Schools Board of Education, I think this is a this is a rock star hire for for Silicaga, and it's a guy that can bring you some longevity after one year of Coach Andrew Zhao, who nobody should knock for leaving because he got about 180 G's to go work for Davo <laughs> Twenty in, in Clemson, yeah. and nobody loved working with Coach Andrew Zhao more than I did. Not just because I graduated from Alabama, but he's just one of the best men I've ever met. So uh, you come back here, you can get some longevity, and if the board votes yes, I think it's a uh, a big win for. Silicaga and, and somewhat of a loss for Beauregard because this guy's I mean, Beauregard's been good for a very long time, and there's not too many state championship coaches just walking around, guys. Yeah, and Beauregard going through a little bit of a rough rough patch right now the last couple of years in, in terms of record, but you know it's only a matter of time with their track record now that that Beauregard will be right back to being a a really Jimmy's strong football Jones team. Is a, Jimmy's and Joe's is a big part of it, man, and um, I think there's some Jimmys and Joes at Silicaga coming up to that program, and they could be really good over the next few years. But we don't have to talk about high school sports anymore. We can we can roll into the big news. Well, uh, Jeremy, Alabama basketball in the SEC tournament this week. Alabama, obviously, the number one seed in this SEC tournament bracket. What do you think of Alabama's trip through the postseason, kind of the road of what it looks like right now? If Kentucky were to win in that first round, as they are the higher seed in that matchup against Mississippi State, that could be their second round opponent. But it's either or that first round opponent for for Alabama that is. So it's either Kentucky or Mississippi State, and then you got to go through uh, Tennessee and whoever that they could play in their portion of the bracket. What do you think of Alabama's road through the SEC tournament? Death taxes and playing Kentucky in the first game of the SEC tournament is something that Alabama fans are always used to, and. Uh, you kind of eye roll when you see it because it doesn't – you just – postseason Kentucky is kind of like you just kind of sends a little bit of a shiver down your spine, right? It doesn't really matter how good they are. You get guys with that much talent on the floor and they can win one game just as easily as the next – as a really good team could win one game. Alabama's just got to start playing better, guys, and, and I think that's it. I think that they should – Alabama fans 
can be confident, but can also be slightly nervous knowing that you can play Kentucky, you can play Kentucky right here in the first round. But what about further than that? What if you get a, uh, you know, a really good, really, really good group of five uh, or, or whatever, it's a non-automatic qualifying championship, whatever they call that in basketball. Now you get a Loyola or somebody like that who's getting hot, and next thing you know, you could be bounced in the after, after the first or second game in the NCAA tournament. Alabama's got to start playing better. First half against Georgia, they didn't shoot the three well. They were dead. They come out in the second half, they did shoot the three well. They were alive. It's time to stop that this team doesn't live and die by the three. It's not complete death and it's not complete life. But there is some, there is some, I guess, credence to if Alabama's not hitting the three well, they're going to have a very tough time winning games against teams that are average or above average. And it's been a while since Alabama's beaten a team that was slightly above average. I think it's kind of a, it's not a down year for the SEC, but Alabama being a, a potential, the first two seed in the NCAA tournament should have taken care of business over Georgia. They should not be playing close games against South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. When you're the fifth overall best team in the country, right now in the AP, sixth overall, you should be dominating teams like that. And Alabama's been scraping by. I feel like a lot of people are really nervous about it. They could get hot. We talk about this all the time. They could get hot and they could go win it all. But they got to start playing better. Nate Oates has said it time and time again. This Alabama basketball team against Georgia won 89-79 over the weekend. We're speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. And Alabama kind of won it in a different way than maybe what we've seen them over these last five, six, seven, eight games where they were winning by their defense even though their offense was struggling. Well, Alabama on the defensive end didn't play that great. Uh, Georgia shot 47% from the floor, 42% from three, but Alabama's offense got going. How do you feel about the way that Alabama ended the regular season? Well, I love the way they closed the second half, right? And if you're an Alabama fan, I think that uh, you got to figure out a way to take that momentum of the second half against Georgia and roll it in here into the SEC tournament. If Al- Listen, if Alabama doesn't win the SEC basketball tournament, it is going to be a letdown for the Alabama fan base. Arkansas is probably playing better than anybody else in league play to close out the year. But this is a 16-2 and SEC champion. You should win the conference championship. And if Alabama doesn't win the conference championship, you can kind of feel a – it doesn't go – you just feel uncertain about the NCAA tournament. You've lost to the last three ranked teams you played. You would roll into the SEC tournament, not winning that tournament, potentially losing – I don't think they'll lose to Kentucky. I think they'd lose – one of the next two, but, and then if they don't win the SEC tournament, you feel like this team is just really kind of being slowly declining as you go. Listen, it's, it's a, how they were playing when they were 10 and 0 in SEC play was the best basketball team in the country, probably in my opinion. But it has been a steady decline since then. It would have been hard to keep up with that pace. But down the stretch in the NCAA tournament, like the first round, you're not just guaranteed to have an absolute break. We've seen teams like UMBC. Florida Gulf Coast, get hot. Like, it's not going to be easy, and you have to be playing your best basketball. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think happens at the SEC tournament for this Alabama basketball team? Do you think this basketball team, do you think they get hot, they can, you know, win like they should and what the fans expect them to do, or do you think there's a little bit of a letdown to somebody? I think you're about to figure out how good Alabama can be. The SEC championship has almost been in the bag since they went on that 10-0 run to start the year. I think they can amplify their play here. They can they can get on a little high here, and they, and they can ride it out. I think Alabama wins the SEC tournament. I'm still a believer in Nate Oates, obviously. I'm still a believer in this team. I'm a believer if they can hit some threes, 
that they can win it all. And I still think that they'll make a run in the tournament. The key is they just have to play better. So you guys heard it here. If Alabama doesn't win the SEC tournament, I'll be wrong, and I'll also be very disappointed. Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today, my man. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you out on Twitter. Find me at IMJ underscore law on Twitter. You can also um, follow my buddy's podcast, the Gulf Runners podcast. A lot of Alabama fans listening would love to do that. Got to give a shout-out to my boys. They do a great job on their podcast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Hope you have a good afternoon, my man, and uh, have fun with all this uh, this fun news coming out up there in Silicago. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports hopping on the line with us. That's huge news that we opened up that conversation with him. If you're just now joining us, Jeremy's let me know, and there's an article about this on RadioAlabamaSports.net. That's where you can go and find this information. Borgard football head coach Rob Carter has been recommended to the Sylacauga City Schools Board of Education to be the next head coach of the Sylacauga Aggies. Those two are region opponents. Levi, you're big into high school sports in this local area, as am I. Are you as are you as like shocked by this as I am? Yeah, it's it's some news that it's it's really good. And uh, Jeremy Law hit it hit it well on the head where he said. Jimmy, Jimmy's and Joe's means a lot. It, it does mean a lot, and you're going to have a little bit better Jimmy's and Joe's at the Silicaga than you are Beauregard. It's just that's how it's going to go, and I think this is a great step At least step right up. now. Yeah, I think at least Beauregard right now. Beauregard will return to being good. I yeah. mean, that is a good sports school. Traditionally, they do they will put out good athletes, but at Silicaga right now, I think he's going into a situation where he could really put a, he could put a name on himself. Like he could really put himself on the map by taking this job and taking them to what we think he could do. I've been going back and forth between Auburn and Silicaga, and the Auburn Silicaga, you know, 280 stretch for the past two years. And I've came to learn a lot about high school football in Talladega County and Silicaga for the last 15 years, 15, 20 years, has been winning seven, eight games every year. And in high school football, that means you're competitive in a lot of games. That means you're you're towards the top of your region every year. And the you know it, it, this is a huge move for them and, and and in that specific region that is that's a region that that's a region shaking move right there for Borgard to if they do if this does indeed get passed if uh, Rob Carter ends up going to to Silicaga that's a, that's a hit to Borgard and a huge boost to Silicaga moving forward in, in a region that they um they almost won last year yeah that's I they mean, finished in second but they almost won it I think they they finished behind center point Jeremy, if you're still listening out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I feel pretty sure that it was center point last year that uh, that took that region against them last season. And, and Silicon was one of the best teams in in 5A. I felt like, and it just it didn't it didn't come to fruition in the postseason. But there's still a wealth of talent up there. So this is this is pretty big news out in the high school football scene coming in coming all the way in March and two two local high schools here having coaching changes. That's wild. We'll be back with more of On the Line in just a moment. We've got Will of Misfortune coming up. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. Back on On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports joining us in that first segment, or in that previous segment, rather. We uh, appreciate him hopping on with us, and if you missed any of that conversation or if you missed any of this show so far as we're heading into this last segment of hour number one, uh, go and find the podcast wherever 
you get your podcast. Before we wrap up our number one, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the Fantasy Suites episode on The Bachelor beginning tonight at 7 on ABC. Following it at 9, it's a new episode of The Good Doctor. Over on NBC at 7, The Voice continues with the blind auditions. An anti-hero, but a hero nonetheless, Deadpool 2 is on FX Movies at 6.40. Captain Marvel is on TNT at 5.20 with a new episode of Snowpiercer following it at 8. The story behind the stealing of the Death Star blueprints, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is on TBS at 7. Who's ready for some conference tournaments in college basketball with games getting started at 6? Mercer at UNC Greensboro on ESPN and Appalachian State at Georgia State on ESPN 2. Moving to 8, number 1 Gonzaga and St. Mary's take on each other. At 8.30, Drexel at Northeastern on CBS Sports Network and Northern Kentucky at Oakland on ESPN 2. The late game tonight is at 11 on ESPN 2 with Pepperdine at BYU. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn. This is one of my favorite segments of the week, guys. But unfortunately, today, my nominee, it's a little bit too close to home. This, the, you might could put me on the wheel of misfortune this, this weekend. But uh, let's, take a, let, let's, take a, let's take a moment here to go through Wheel of Misfortune, guys. I hope you guys are ready. Let's get after it. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. We take a look at the butt-fumbling, head-scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the Wheel of Misfortune. That's right, back for another edition of Wheel of Misfortune. Lance, is this the first time you've been on for this? I believe it is. I believe it is. This is exciting. Welcome. Making your debut on the Wheel of Misfortune. Do you have yours ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, let's spin it then for Lance. Here we go. The NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Last night, going to be honest, that's one of the worst dunk contests I've ever seen. Ernest, I need a boo hot take. Boo! Ernest, not because I dislike the take, but... Magic Johnson tweeted out and said, to be honest... This wasn't the most exciting slam dunk competition I've ever seen. If he's saying that, and the rest of Twitter is saying that, and I'm saying that because my, my, my opinion's important, this is the worst <laughs> dunk contest maybe ever. Last night was incredibly underwhelming. They could have had better picks. Cassius Stanley was robbed, even, even though it was still terrible. My question to you guys is, when was the last time we had a good dunk contest? I think the one last year was, was actually not that bad. I believe it was Aaron Gordon and Levine, I believe. Again. A- thank you, Sting. Yeah. Yes, you can hear in the background <laughs> wait, wait. Sting saying again. again. I, it was. It was. Uh, I believe it was Aaron Gordon was the one that should have won it. Yeah, that one. Because that ago. one was mired with controversy. So yeah, that one was a good one. Other than that, I mean, I've given up. I mean, it's just not like you used to. And there's not really a way to fix it outside of you got to get the high-profile guys to do it. You have to find a way to get someone. If why don't they want to do it? Why didn't what, Zion want to do? What it? do they gain from it? What does he gain from it? Zion was I don't know what Zion was doing last night, but he wasn't ready to play basketball. He definitely didn't need to be in a dunk contest. So Lance says what? Or did you say what did they gain from it? Or did Lance say that? You, said, you yeah, said like what? Like what do you legitimately okay. gain from it? But what do you gain from playing in the All Star game? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like, the All Star game is pointless. It's literally a fan thing anyway. So I mean, they don't have any incentive to do the dunk contest. I have a problem. I, I get your take. I understand what you're saying. At the end of the day, it doesn't account for anything. It's not like no. the MLB All-Star game that at least held weight for, you know, at one point it held weight to a degree. But yeah, I stand by, though, I don't like that attitude because what happened just like having fun? 
What happened to having fun playing the game you love? I mean, I'm having a good time. It doesn't and, bother me as much as like it doesn't bother me that much because you got to think these are multi-million dollar bodies that they're dealing with. You don't want to hurt. You that don't want to damage it. Sure. Yeah, and even if I'm even not from just a physical perspective, you go out there to the dunk contest and it. So get rid you, of it. Yeah, if you, I'm fine with that. I mean, you get go out there and then. throw out a stinker. Then everybody's gonna laugh at you, and you've damaged your brand. Yeah. So last year's was actually kind of fun. I remember it was Derek Jones Jr. and Eric Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was robbed. Yeah. In that dunk contest, I actually names. really enjoyed last year's. It was a lot of fun. This year, the, the, the just the names they could have picked so much. They could have picked better names, in my opinion. That's just what it boils down to for me. It wasn't exciting. Uh, nobody scored over a ninety-five. It's just it just wasn't good. All right, Levi. Let's spin the wheel for you. Duke basketball and in extension <laughs> myself. I <sighs> Saturday I'm at work and I just looked at my phone and it was about I don't know 10 minutes into the game and Duke had scored 4 points and I was just straight up not having a good time. Exoneration. I love it. So one I mean it was it was sad, but luckily, you know, they are going to win the ACC tournament. They are going to get the automatic <laughs> qualifying bid. They are still going to go to the NCAA tournament. So it's not over with because they are going to go on a tear. In the ACC tournament, better chance to win their tournament, Kentucky or Duke? Kentucky, one hundred percent. Kentucky, Kentucky, one hundred percent. That's a better not the shot. direction I, w- I thought you'd say that. Kentucky but. has a better shot. Duke's going to win it, but Kentucky, they're, they're in my opinion, I think Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke are all going to win their conference tournaments. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> what the about ri- Michigan State? The rise of the Michigan Blue State. Blue. Where did Michigan. they go from? Since I said that they were a bad basketball team, oh, they beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan. Mike drop. Tom Izzo wants to remind the world why he is one of the best coaches just in any sport ever. I, I look Duke on that three game losing skid now. They they should not be on the bubble now that they're at five hundred. No, but I'm like, not, oh, so one loss bubble. literally just took you off the first four out. Most times when a team loses a game on the bubble, they move down a bubble slot. Duke's like, oh yeah, we, we weren't there to begin with. Completely <laughs> out. But it's Lance, okay. They'll they'll hop back up when they upset Leonard Hamilton and them boys in the tournament. Sting, let's spin it. For me, it's Auburn baseball doing something that I have never seen before in my life. And this is such... I I was so happy with how they were playing this weekend. And I'll tell everybody the silver lining of it in hour number two. There is positives. I'm taking mainly positives away from this weekend. I'm really not taking any negatives away from this weekend other than injuries. I'm taking a lot of positives moving forward with Auburn baseball. But... They get on the wheel of misfortune because you can't possibly dodge the wheel of misfortune if you, with two outs in the ninth inning and you're up nine to one, you give up eight runs to have the game tied. <sighs> that is a mockery of the game of baseball. And then that is to, ridiculous. And then go on to lose the game. I mean, that's that's even more like you, you. I mean, I don't know how you. I don't know how you could get up for extra yeah. innings if that's the case. I expect the, you to lose. There's only one positive from that, and it's because we got baseball that we didn't have to pay for. We did get free <laughs> baseball. Didn't have to pay for it. I saved so much money. I don't yesterday. know. I don't know if I'd say that's ex- free extra baseball. I feel like that's more of like a hostage situation. <laughs> yeah. No, I I was uh, I was texting a friend of the show Jacob Pillman yesterday. I said, Hey, same. Uh, what happened? Because I'm not going to lie. I clocked out. I, I gave up. I was boiling crawfish yesterday. I saw the score and I said, oh, cool. I can, you know, take a little bit of load off. I walked back inside and it's nine to nine. And I'm thinking, what, what, what just happened? Well, I, was, I texted him at the, towards the beginning of the game when it was like eight to one or at some point oh. before things have really gone sideways. I said, man, I'm proud of Auburn baseball, you know. And then I came back after the game and I said, I rescind that statement. <laughs> yep.
That's tough. We'll talk Auburn baseball in hour number two. We'll be back with more on the other side of this break. Hour number two coming up. Stay with us. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun hour number one. Big thank you out there to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports for joining us in hour number one. You can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, thank you out there to Trill, who hopped on the line with us as well. One of our callers from hour number one. Phone number to call us. The phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. If you want to join into the show here on your Monday afternoon, we want to hear from you and uh, want to talk some sports with you. Whatever is on your mind, whatever you want to get off your chest, sports related. It was a tough weekend in Auburn sports. Saturday started off great. Saturday was a beautiful day in Auburn sports. Baseball creamed Boston College. Basketball ended the year on a high note. And then Sunday happened with Auburn baseball. And we'll still, I'm prolonging the inevitable of talking about that segment. But that is coming up uh, in a couple of segments from now. We'll talk a little Auburn baseball. But I want to start off hour number two talking some Auburn football here. You see more and more people talking about Nick Easton left and right. We had a question last week from Stephen Kerr on Twitter asking us what unit or which unit we thought was going to be the best on the defensive side of the ball, which was linebacker or defensive backs. You and I both went with defensive backs, but we said the answer to that question actually kind of hinges on how the defensive line plays next year and how they improve because it's all interconnected in football, and especially on the defensive side when you're talking about having a good defensive line. If you're bad at run-stopping, your defensive line's probably getting pushed all over the place and it's making your linebackers look bad. If your DBs look bad, it may be that you're not getting a pass rush. Could be either or there. I want to know which area, run stopping or pass rushing, do we expect the Auburn defensive line to make a surge in next season? More mm. than the other. You have to pick one. Which one's going to get better faster? Run stopping or pass rushing? I'm gonna go pass I'm gonna go pass rushing. And I think that it like how we said that they are the defensive backs are tethered to the line the linemen. I think that they're gonna have more opportunity. To like, I think I think the uh, defensive backs can hold up in coverage a little longer, which in turn will allow them to get a better pass rush. It might not be you know leaps and bounds better, but I think if they improve along and you couple that with this defensive backfield's ability to cover for a little bit longer than you know maybe an inexperienced unit would, I think they're going to be the ones. I think that's going to be the the area that they improve in a little bit more, just simply for the fact that I think they have a little bit more leeway. They don't have to be as good at pass rushing because I think they're going to be able to cover a little bit longer, which will give them a chance to get a few more sacks, get a few more hurries, a few more knockdowns, whatever you want to call them. I think this defensive back group is going to be better this season. And in turn, I think the defensive line is going to be able to get home. And I th- I really want to see what this 3-4 looks like a little bit. Uh, I know spring ball and A-Day is not going to reveal a whole lot of things, but I just want to see what it looks like out on the field to see, okay, 
Is Auburn going to key in on stopping the run? Are they going to key key in on getting some more blitz packages, getting some more defensive backs closer to the line? We saw how well Smoke Monday performs whenever he's close to the line in blitzing situations. I think this I think this team, this defense, is going to be able to rush the passer a little bit more. I am concerned about run blocking. Uh, just simply because run blocking or run stopping, run stopping or both rather. or both crap all of it yeah uh, both, both sides of the ball let's bring the offensive line in too um but now uh, i think auburn in a three four i just i've not seen a whole lot of three four and i'm really concerned about whether or not auburn's going to be able to do that zach and i on lockdown auburn talked about this a little bit two or three different times over the past few weeks it's just like i feel like auburn's a little undersized just in a, in a few different positions on the defensive side of the ball and i'm really concerned is if you take an extra body out from the trenches, how is that going to affect your run stop ability? And so I've just got a couple of concerns there heading into 2021. You are 100% right on what Auburn's defensive line makeup looks like to try and switch from the 4-3 to 3-4. We've talked countless times on this show that they've now got bodies in the first two levels of the defense on in, in that front seven. They've got the bodies to have depth at those positions to now be effectively to be able to effectively run it or maybe not effectively run it but at least be able to line up in it right but the line is undersized for what you would expect a 3-4 defensive line to have because now your defensive ends move inside the tackle right and they also gain like 20 to 30 pounds based off of what you at least at the nfl they do you know your nfl 3-4 defensive ends they're like 280 290 they're big they're slower but they're able they're, they're better at defending gaps that that's what they're called upon to do is help defend against the run that's primarily their role in the 3-4 defense not as much pass rushing Auburn in my opinion on this is that they will be a better pass rushing team next year they'll, they'll get better at that quicker than they were maybe at defending the run my reasoning for that is they specifically went out and got pass rushers Eku Leota that's what he did man I mean that guy led Northwestern in sacks right and they're bringing him in here as a grad transfer looking to and he's trying to get to the league like he's got stuff on the line coming here <laughs> you're you, i did not pun not intended you know <laughs> like but he's got stuff on the line going into this auburn football season i could easily see him being one of the primary pass rushers next season on top of that they went out and got juco transfer joko willis and that guy's no joke pun intended i think two for two he, and i and he may have looked at he, he was evaluated as an inside linebacker according to 24 7 sports but very well could move to outside linebacker and be thrust into a pass rushing role and so auburn's gone out and found multiple pass rushing guys to add to their defense as opposed maybe to go and bring in guys that are better run stopping and so and you've already brought up some of these defensive backs that come up to the line of scrimmage and have shown their ability to do that smoke Monday is the guy that we've primarily seen do that auburn is super deep at defensive back and they've added some pass rushers i loved one of y'all's points i think it was you lance that said that these guys are going to be in coverage for a little bit longer that's going to help these guys get home that's so true they are connected sometimes we got a better defensive backfield there's a such thing as coverage sacks they're a whole lot less common than a defensive line making a defensive backfield look look good but this auburn defensive backfield very well could be good enough to create coverage sacks so i think the pass rush is going to end up being better than run stopping but i will ask you guys this who is going to be the key player on this defensive line next year? Mm. I don't know. There's so many. I think I think a name definitely to bring up would be Eku Leota. I think Derek Hall is also going to be a very important piece. I forget about Derek Hall so in I, terms of pass rushers. Yeah, Good I, gracious. How did I forget that? So Auburn's definitely got – they've got guys there at that defensive they can pass uh, rush. edge position. So I think both Derek Hall and Eku Leota are going to be very important for this team next year. I'm going Truesdale. 
I think the integrity of Auburn's defensive line harbors on that nose tackle position if they do indeed move to the full-fledged 3-4 defense which I think they're going to switch we talked with Robbie Weinstein several weeks ago the Vandy 24-7 rider got his opinion and got his knowledge on what Derek Mason did schematically on the defensive side of the football at Vanderbilt and he said by the end of his tenure at Vanderbilt the defense was a hybrid defense that could go in and out of the 4-3 and in and out of the 3-4 they kind of moved in and out and I think this Auburn defense with the personnel that they have they have 4-3 personnel that they can kind of fit into a 3-4 as well so I think that they can go in and out of both and I think we'll see that because sometimes you might it, it might look like a th- it might look like a four three, but it might be a three four. Just have a stand up fourth defensive lineman out there that's pass rushing. I think you could see that a lot from Auburn next year. But for me, Truesdale's the key player of the defensive line because Auburn's run stopping. Look, if Auburn's going to be a good defense, they're going to have to stop the run better. And I know I just said that the pass rush is going to get better quicker. That that's going to be the better. That's going to be the thing that we see improve first. Just because Auburn has actually gone out and you know imported in talent that's going to do that. But if Auburn's run stopping is going to be good and the 3-4, it centers around nose tackle and making things nasty in the middle. And Truesdale has been largely underwhelming through this point in his career. He's coming back for another year. This is a dude that's talked about as the strongest dude on the football team. This guy's supposed to be a wrecker in the interior. I think he fits the bill. I think his skill set fits nose tackle. But Auburn's success at stopping the run, that's the cornerstone piece. That's, that's, that is the, the piece that puts it all together for the defensive line. So it centers around that for me. So here's my question. How often do you think we're going to see Lee Hunter on the field? That's exactly. I was, I was actually about to ask, what do you think some of the young guys coming in, like a Lee Hunter who's already you know enrolled, Dylan Brooks who's going to be coming in, won't be in the spring, but I think there's here. a serious logjam on the defensive line because of the coronavirus. You know, when Lee Hunter was committing to Auburn, the coronavirus was not a thing. Now, when he signed it was, but when he committed, it was not a thing yet. And, you didn't know people were going to be able to come back. Right. And there is a massive logjam right now on that Auburn defensive line. There are tons of players on that line. And now, if Auburn is moving to the 3-4, which we think it is, there's only one position for him now. There's, right. there's not two defensive tackle spots anymore. There's only one. And Truesdale is going to take up that position for a lot of time. But there are other defensive tackles that could fit in there. I mean, Zykevis Walker was a defensive tackle this past year. There are multiple guys that can play on the inside I think that he's going to get onto the field. I just question how much. Right. So you've got Walker, Lee Hunter, Marquise Robinson, who is coming in, Ian Matthews, who is coming in. So there's four guys right there who are I feel are talented enough to play that position in some form behind Truesdale. So you've got five guys at that defensive tackle position, but you've only got one spot to fill. And I think it's a very good problem to have. It's very similar to Auburn basketball. It's a really good problem to have when you have so many talented guys, but you don't know who to put in or how much playing time to give some of these guys. But it's something Auburn's going to have to figure out. Like, how do you get all of these talented guys on the field? And I think that's a concern heading forward. Is Lee Hunter an early enrollee? Let's go check on this. Yeah, he's already enrolled. Well, that's going to give him a shot to get in. Uh, yes, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to give him a shot to play, especially if you know we'll know a little bit more around A Day after we get to see him. And I'm looking forward to doing our continue our A Day depth chart series this week. This week we're on receivers, but we're not far away from doing defensive line. We're about two weeks away from getting on a defensive line. Receiver such a fun one because uh, we have no idea about the receivers. <laughs> that's right. I don't know a whole lot about you know some of these other guys that Auburn signed on signing like Marquise Robinson is going is is behind Lee Hunter on the depth chart for me going for sure. into the year because he's not he's, here for the spring yeah, and that in. that's that's going to be uh that's going to play a major role there also Ian Matthews is in that same position so I think Lee Hunter leads the incoming players 
at defensive tackle but the question is does he supersede some of the guys that are already on the team that might move to that position I don't know I mean we're just gonna have to see it and if like you said with the logjam up front if they want to get these guys out there they'll find ways to get out there you said they might hybrid it out and do more of a three four four three where you're rotating guys in and out you might have a couple more positions to throw them in there defense is a good time defense will uh they swap guys in and out more so than the offense does so you can be second or third on the depth chart and get plenty of playing time on the defensive end just because you got to give guys breathers you got to swap in guys in and out keep them fresh for an entire game I don't know who it's going to be behind behind Truesdale I think Lee Hunter probably has the talent and he's already enrolled that he could at least start making waves to come up here but again we're not gonna be able to see this till a day this coaching staff is going to play who they think is the best I agree with that. There's not this coaching staff is not they're not holding on. They're not they don't have any sentiment. They don't owe any of the players anything at this moment. They want to win. They're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. They're coming in from the Mountain West where they're you're at least Brian Harson is, where you're coming in. A lot of people have kind of knocked him and have said that he can't win in the SEC. Or, you know, you have Derek Mason who just got out of Vanderbilt. These guys want to come back and they want to show them what they're made of. They're not going to try to play politics. They're going to come in and they're going to put the guys out there who they think is going to win, and we're going to see that on A-Day. Dre Butler is still on the team. If, I, if I, That is correct, right? So is Marquise Burks. There's a lot of different names on that defensive line that's still still here for Auburn. And people coming in, I mean. Dre Butler is a big guy. 6'5", 304. Auburn's got a lot of things to figure out at that position. Aside from Truesdale starting, they've got so many other guys that they would have to keep happy. Uh, we may see some a little bit, a couple of different transfers. We may see guys switch positions. Oh, don't say that. You're going to get Auburn people riled up, my oh, man. No. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> people get mad about transfers. They do. They don't understand. People don't understand. Yeah, but I, I mean, the first initial transfer wave's over with because most guys that were going to leave have already decided that they were going to leave by now. You're in. And if you're not, you're probably going to leave around fall camp. That's when you see another wave. And then you don't really see any during the season unless somebody opts out which we've seen more and more over time not just during the coronavirus after the season though is you know at the beginning of the offseason when you when you first see that first wave and I think we've already passed that I think Levi made a really good point just then talking about how this coaching staff is going to play who they who they think is going to give them the best chance to win I feel like under the Gus Malzahn regime we saw things like Cam Martin getting the start because he was the veteran guy seniority and Gus Malzahn liked him where when it was obvious that Jatarvius Whitlow was the better overall back and he should have been starting and playing more than Martin was. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see some different things under this new coaching staff and I don't want Auburn fans to be shocked whenever a fan favorite or somebody that's just gotten a lot of reps in the past just doesn't see the field at all this year. I think there are several guys that we've already talked about like a tight end with Pegues and then uh, we've talked about it at running back. I think with Sean Shivers. Now, some of these guys, culture-wise, they're they're going to be able to move up on the depth chart because the coaching staff likes them. But we'll be back with more of On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're listening to On the Line. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis, News, and more. Seven hours of local sports talk every weekday. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPN 
AU.com. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Going back to talking some Auburn basketball here. Auburn basketball defeating Mississippi State 78-71. We ended uh we we ended our second segment of the show here talking about Sharif Cooper and I had some interesting thoughts on him not uh on it being probably not in his best interest to go on to the NBA because right now I think I'll put the hot take out there I think Sharif Cooper's a bust right now if he goes to the NBA I don't I don't I don't see that I think he's a guy who's like Markel Fultz yes like he's gonna have trouble shooting the ball when he gets there but I think someone's gonna take that and fix it that's just how the NBA let me ask you this was Markel Fultz the number one player in his draft he was drafted number one overall, he but was, was he was the number, number one. one player in his draft? I don't know. I don't, I'd have to go look back at that draft real quick. Hold on. He busted. Give me a second. Lance? I'm going to say that he he will be a bust. I think we talked about this last time I was on. It's like I don't, I don't see his shooting form getting fixed to the point where he's going to become an offensive threat in the NBA. It's like you can get a guy playing defense that knows how to shut down a five foot ten point guard that can spread the ball around the floor. You can get a guy that's good en- that can play defense well enough to shut that down. And once you shut that down, it's like college okay. teams have already shut it down. Right. It's like okay, well, what else does he? He hasn't. By the way, he hasn't had more than I believe four assists in his last four games. This was I just this, point that out. Okay, so the Markel Fultz draft, like, yeah, I'll say that he wasn't the best player, but that's not his fault that he wasn't the best player. What? not his fault? He shouldn't have been picked at number one anyway. That was. I don't know what the 76ers were doing when you have Jason Tatum literally right there. That sure, you Jason taken. Tatum was hyped. I was, huge, I was huge on him coming out of college, and I, I never understood how he was falling behind. But Jason Tatum didn't even go number two. He went three. Yeah, Lonzo was up there, too. Lonzo, I mean, oh, we've gross. seen that. I just, I Another didn't understand. example, Lonzo, bust. But that's, I mean, that's been, the NBA draft. If I go exactly. Through, if I go through and name all these guys, I mean, there's not a lot. Marco Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac. Who's had Isaac. the better career so far, Malcolm Brogdon or Markel Fultz in the NBA? Ooh, my boy Malcolm Brogdon. He's slept exactly. on. I, I love, I love exactly. Malcolm Brogdon. He has slept on in there the NBA. There are many examples of guys late in the first round who end up making a good career. Donovan ended Mitchell. Up being, exactly. Bam out of bio. There I'm, are I'm many looking at guys examples on this one. because they go to good situations and they get coached up. And Sharif is going into this draft, if he does end up declaring, he hasn't declared yet, but but my big issue with him right now, and Lance, you already hit on this to a degree, you said that what happens when teams learn how to defend his passing ability? They already have. They already have. And, and also, in attacking the rim for Sharif, yes, he was scoring the ball really well out the gates at Auburn, but we saw over time teams adjust to how they were defending him at the rim, and he was having a hard time scoring against bigs at the rim. And if he's not a good shooter, what is he on offense right now in terms of scoring in the NBA? Look, I said, and the key word to this right now, I said, Sharif Cooper is a bust in the NBA right now. That does not mean that if he goes pro next year, if he ends up developing a shot, that he ends up being that he ends up being a great NBA player. And I think there's still time for him to develop in the NBA. But I, if you draft somebody top 10 in the NBA draft, you're expecting him to be a future piece for your team, right? 100%, correct? Can yes. I get agreement yeah, in the I house? Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. Right. And too often in the NBA draft, as you just said, Levi, and as we were talking about earlier, guys bust in that top 10. They don't end up actually being the future of it. I mean, you can na- name countless players over and over again in every single draft. More times than not, your top 10 pick in the NBA draft ends up not working out. And the reason why it ends up not working out, why? Because they can't score. Because, because they are, have it. Because teams are bad. That's fair. <laughs> and they can't figure out how to play offense 
in the NBA. Couple that with the fact that this dude's only what five ten, a buck seventy five. Six feet. We'll give him six feet. I don't believe it. I feel like the afro uh, <laughs> definitely helps him out there. By the way, sweet haircut. By the way, can we? If we were gonna, if we're gonna rank NBA prospects based off of haircut, <laughs> Shreve Cooper would be first overall, hands down. It's like the Colby White, uh, Colby White situation uh, a year or so ago. I don't know that dude at a what is it? UC Santa Barbara, I think, with his um, mullet ponytail that he's mm-hmm. got. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. going to the league, but he's definitely got the sickest hair at all of college basketball. And I can find you example after example of guys that were drafted much higher than where Sharif Cooper would get drafted, like five spots higher, up to like number two overall, like a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who dominated in college, looked great. Yeah, he's a bit Go- overrated. Goes into the NBA, guy stinks on offense and that's not an understatement he's been a fine defensive player but like you don't draft guys in the nba to be your franchise piece for the future if they can't play offense and the hornets took a bet that they could develop him offensively guess what they failed they were wrong and that's a waste of a top two pick you don't get those every year unless you know you are the hornets and you're in the and you're in the top seven every year but most teams don't get that that every year that team's coming that team's coming along also, the NBA is not like the NFL. There's an actual lottery. You have to get lucky to get your pick. Or you have to be unlucky to not get your pick, a.k.a. the Lakers and the Knicks. It's, you know? What's really, what's really like, I'm looking at uh, the mock drafts that I'm looking at the draft order right now. What's really hard, for at least the way it's set up, is if where Sharif Cooper is looking to be falling, that's where a team like Sacramento is picking, and that's where guards go to just wither away and waste away. <laughs> Like, I mean, De'Aaron Fox, ah! De'Aaron Fox is playing fantastic, but, I mean, he's not going anywhere. You know, the, that team isn't going anywhere. If It really depends on where Sharif Cooper can go. If he's looking at this, I think he'll take his time. I, I don't think he you'll see a statement from Sharif Cooper until around the time the draft sort of sets itself out, and he can look and see, all right, where are my feelers at? Where do I think I'm probably going to end up going? Do I want to go play for a team like Sacramento? Or, you know... If you're getting projected to a team later on in the like later later on in the first round where you're sitting there looking at maybe like a Lakers or a Clippers are looking at you at the very back end of the first round. Go and, and play with LeBron. I was about yeah, to say go. That's what I'm saying. Go. Like if go you're going play with LeBron. If you're looking at something like that where you're where even Milwaukee is looking at you late first round, if you drop that far and you're thinking, Yeah, that's not that bad. But then if you're looking top ten and you're thinking I might have to go play in Sacramento or I could come run it back with my boys and we could go to the Final Four. And Sacramento's going to count on me to be their point guard. Half a year in college is not going to do that, I don't feel like, given what we've seen from Sharif Cooper. So let me add to this. Sharif Cooper's passing top-notch NBA level. His his scoring, not. His scoring is not. I think most people would agree with that statement. His passing is. His defense is. Ah, it's fine it's whatever but uh, you're not once again i go back to you don't draft guys to go to the league totally based off of defense example here if you're putting a guy in your stop in your starting five you better hope that he's averaging more than 10 points a game you better hope that he's averaging more than 10 and 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 look the Cavs just drafted isaac okoro and okoro's out only averaging like seven a game and they have him on the floor because he can guard pretty much anybody so i know that kind of flies in the face of a little bit what i'm saying but if isaac okoro a guy who whose body looks like it is made for the nba and he is like your prototypical frame your prototypical athleticism is only scoring seven points a game in the nba right now if chumo kiki who was much further along in his offensive game and once again i go back to his body fits and his athleticism fits the nba mold and those guys are not playing that great on the offensive end of the floor right now 
What gives you confidence that Sharif Cooper right out the gates is going to have it ready to go when he goes pro? I think the other thing you have to consider is that Isaac Okoro has size. Just because he can play defense and like you would think, oh, well, that's all he can do. No, he's got size, he's athletic, and he can run the floor and he can dunk on your head. Sharif Cooper doesn't have that ability. Like we saw in the Kentucky game, he gets into the paint against a guy that can play a little bit of defense and he's going to get swallowed. It's just not going to work out. So I think he's got two options. He can either stay another year, get some more time under his belt, learn to develop these other things outside than just creating opportunities for your teammates. He has a three-point shot. It's going to be a magical NBA career. Oh, for sure. If he can get the three ball down, which, by the way, he has the worst three-point shooting percentage on the entire team. Inclu- it, like The only guy that's up underneath him is, a guy, is one of our walk-ons that just hasn't taken a shot this year. I mean, Dylan Cardwell, man, he's setting the bar pretty high. Yeah, Dylan Cardwell, <laughs> he is uh, showing up and showing out. But uh, I but you guys think he's going. Yeah, I think he's yeah. going. And if he does, I think the best thing, that his other option, the best thing that will work out for him is him getting drafted late in the first round or second second round. But that's not so going to happen. But that's not going to happen because he's a lottery pick. He's projected lottery pick. He's projected lottery pick, but I could see it. If, I could see him you see dropping. Him slipping. I could see him slipping if you know. It Team really start depends. watching film of the late SEC play for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I, I, I don't think he will slip. But I could. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I'm just. I'm. I don't care if you can't shoot. I really don't care. They're gonna work that out at the next level. Are they, they though? Are you? Is that guaranteed? It's not guaranteed, but that's what the lot. That's what the draft is. You're drafting guys with upside. You see that more or less now than sure. anything. NBA Especially, front offices have hubris. They believe that they can develop anybody to have an offensive game. You're yeah, spot I'm, on. And I'm not saying that that's the correct mentality. I'm just saying that that's what teams are looking you at. They, spot they see on. they see this kid and they say, look. He's got ability. tools, his passing ability. You can't necessarily teach the passing ability. You're not yeah. wrong there. Everything he's got, he's got some untangible. He's got some qualities that I can't teach. If I can figure out how to teach him to shoot, we're, we're, we're hitting the jackpot on this one. That's at least, that, at least that is, that's what they're thinking. That is very accurate. I'm just saying he's going to end up struggling going into the league right away because it's hard to fix a shot. We've seen oh, a yeah. lot of guys sure. struggle to change their shot and improve it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll struggle at least the first year, maybe I mean, it's taken into the three next years one. for Markel Fultz. Three. He's got, he's ben got Simmons long. still hasn't figured it out. Ben Simmons will never figure it out. Exactly. They, they, gave, they gave up on Ben Simmons trying to figure that one Michael out. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist he, never did. Lonzo's gotten a little bit better. He's not uh, you know, up to what you would yeah, want he's him. He's not shooting the ball sideways like he was, I well, guess. Yeah. Well, he, that's the thing. He's at least doing better. That's the thing with Ben Simmons. It's like, okay, well, if he can't shoot, what else can he do? Well, he can distribute. Oh, Cooper can do that. Well, Ben Simmons is also like six foot ten and can can run down the floor. And he could score at the rim because yeah. he's six foot. Yeah. You know, six and, Coop, and above. You Cooper know, just I'm not worried. That ability. I don't worry about the size thing. The size thing doesn't bother me. I know it should, but it just doesn't for whatever reason. I don't look at it, that it, and think it, that it's going to be a massive. Problem. It wouldn't bother me if we haven't seen him have issues against bigs in college basketball. That's the part that bothers me is that he's having a hard time in the paint. And you look at guys like, oh well, Isaiah Thomas made it in the league. Well, Isaiah Thomas can, can score. He can shoot so. anywhere. And it only lasted for like a year or two, guys, because he got hurt. So more of On the Line on the other side of this break here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you in the studio got into a heated conversation about whether or not Shreve Cooper is ready for the NBA. All love in the studio, guys. I'm enjoying this. It was, good it was a, discourse. It was, a good, it was a good, fun conversation. Right. We had disagreements, but good discourse. It was also, I mean, I think we we all understand. 
the points that we're making. We all understand why. I think the every other single thing, point is valid as well that yeah. every single person's made in this room about Sharif Cooper's jump to the NBA if he decides to make it. I think we all came to the same conclusion, and that's Duke is winning the national championship this uh, year. Definitely not. <laughs> I think definitely uh, not. I think we all came to the conclusion that Woo! they will beat Florida State in the ACC championship, and then they will beat Gonzaga in the national championship. Mm. So just. Keep oh, an eye easy. out for that. It's easy. Oh, I mean, Duke's, Duke's going to win the ACC tournament. They're going to run through Leonard Hamilton and them boys at Florida State. They're going to beat the, the frauds that are Virginia and the Cavaliers. Blech. They're going to beat those frauds. Yeah, I said it. Virginia's a bunch of frauds. I mean, they're they going have to, not looked good recently. They're going to smoke North Carolina after, you know, what was, sure. what was, <laughs> what was sad last time. But, yeah, Duke's going to go on. They're going to win the ACC tournament, get the automatic qualifying bid, go on, and they're going to play. I'm going to disagree with the team. I think they're going to play Kansas in the national championship or oh. Kentucky. See, I'm not mad at that. Final four is going to be Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, and uh, Loyola or something. I don't know. One something of those weird. One of those teams will make it in, but all Blue Bloods, we love to see it. Baylor, a bunch of frauds. They're going to get bounced out of their own tournament by Kansas. Kansas, that's going to be easy peasy as well. Gonzaga, who have they played? What have they done for me lately? Exactly. Nothing. Gonzaga, get them out of here. Well, that just went wild for a second. That yeah. did. It's I'm, time for crunching the numbers with I bla- Sting. I blacked out for a second. We got the, we got the we got the calculator man here in the room, the finance major. Gonna take us through some numbers from this past weekend, Auburn baseball and Auburn basketball, both in action this week. Sting, what kind of numbers you got for us today? All right, so my First couple of numbers just come from baseball. Talk about that for a little bit. Auburn's kind of kind of a dominant pitcher for Auburn right now. Uh, Blake Burkhalter, he pitched 2.1 scoreless innings on Sunday, you know, before they allowed eight runs in the ninth inning. And he's pitched 5.1 innings in four games and allowed zero runs. Also, his opponent batting average is 111. Oh, I love that. Love to hear that. Auburn. I'd say that's pretty good. Auburn had good pitching numbers this past weekend, and I think you're beginning to see more and more names crop up. Obviously, you got Seb and you got Burkhalter now, and you've had Trace Bright emerge. Now, Auburn's dealing with a lot of injuries, so you love the fact that, you know, just a little bit, these arms have been able to, you know, stay atop, but Greenhill's hurt. Fitz is dealing with something. You've also got uh, Jack Owen, who's been out for some time. When you get those guys back and fully healthy, and all the arms are back, and you're feeling good. Like, this, this staff runs deep, SEC championship level deep. Now, the question is, can they put it all together in a game? Well, yeah, we've been, you see that. But the bats improved this weekend. I, w- I was largely impressed with what I saw this weekend, except for one frame. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to Saturday, Auburn beat Boston College 16-1. That margin of victory, 15 runs, is the largest margin of victory for Auburn against a ranked opponent since 2007. Auburn beat number three South Carolina on the road 16 to 1 14 years ago. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Sorry, we're a little shaken right now. There, there's, there's some no- <laughs> Loud noise there was outside. some rogue noise that happened, and we all were a little. Yeah, I was, I was a little confused. It was kind of like. We okay. all, we it's all the largest froze. margin of victory against a ranked team, you said? Yeah, in 14 years. That's Excellent. Crazy. Yeah, pretty good. So the baseball team is doing some good stuff. Like, obviously, there are positives to take away from this weekend outside of the fact that this is the biggest choke job since, uh, I would say, the Falcons 28-3 to game. I don't know if I go that far because that was the Super Bowl. That know. was the Super Bowl. This was just the rubber game of a non-conference series in college baseball. Huge. But. I see what you're saying. I, that's a pretty amazing thing that did occur this weekend. Maybe uh, this is up there. Michigan, Michigan State from several years ago. No, this maybe. is up there with the Super Bowl choke. Just yeah. inexplicable. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is up there with the Super Bowl choke. It's up there with the Minneapolis miracle. It's up there with the no call for the Saints. It's up there with all the greatest chokes of all time. It's up there with Duke winning the national championship here in a few weeks. Like, I mean, it's just craziness. I hate this script that they're coming <laughs> the fact, the fact that college basketball scenario. allowed Duke to win a national championship when they were at 500 going into conference play, Man. that would be a huge choke for college basketball. And 500 basketball. coming out of conference play. Yeah. yeah. I think they're 11 and 11. I don't think me and Lance are allowed to be in the room together anymore. No. <laughs> this has, this has kind of gone off the rails a little bit. but We just start attacking Noah. But I think baseball is doing a lot of good things well. And we'll continue to talk about Auburn baseball here for, for uh, pretty much the rest of the show other than some basketball numbers that you've got for us too. But I thought Auburn did a lot of good things well this weekend. And I'm largely I'm viewing this, this weekend as a win despite the fact that they blew the lead on Sunday. Yeah, and they're, and they're batting very well too. Auburn has six guys with the batting averages over three fifty. And I think so. something that we talked about a little bit, and this was my concern heading into the weekend, is that could we see more consistency from from this pitching staff? And we did see it, aside from the game on Sunday, like closer towards the end. We did see consistency. So can Auburn continue to, to play like this moving forward without giving up nine runs in the ninth inning? I think so. Yeah, I think so. It was once they it get was very everybody fluky. back. Right. Yeah, it was. It was a very fluky thing this weekend. They got to be able to get everybody back healthy and be able to put it all together, and that's when I think you'll see what this team is really made of. I think the perspective that we have to have going into these next few games is Auburn would have won this non-conference series against what seems like a top 15 opponent had they not something just wild, crazy fluke happened. If 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 the game had just gone normal, Auburn had them beat. Auburn had this team beat. It's like... You and I against Texas A&M in like 2017. You and I had Texas A&M beat with 43 seconds left. And it's just something wild that you almost never see happen happen. It's just you got you to take it for what it is and you got to move on. But there were definitely some good things that happened this weekend in Auburn baseball. Sting, what else you got for us? All right, so I want to move on to basketball now. First, uh, we all know that Bruce Pearl got his 600th career win on Saturday. Yes, sir. Did you know that it was his 94th win at Auburn in the last four seasons? So let's see what that is over that time period. So 94 divided by 4 is 23 and a half a year. Yeah, so I think he and had... And people are mad at him right now. Right, I think Just he had over 24 for three of those four years. And, and, he, make and this, he only won 13 games this year. That yeah. that should have been much higher. To make, it, to make it even crazier, in his first three seasons at Auburn, he had just 44 wins. And so that's once again, what he's done to the program. get rid of this guy. I don't get it. Yeah, no, you got to remember how bad Auburn was when he got here. You got okay. We were talking about this a little bit off air a People couple have weeks ago. Gotten how bad Auburn used to be. Everyone listening right now, I want you to go back and I want you to look at some of the games that Auburn played in 2015. I want you to watch that team play and I want you to look at some of the scores that were in those games. And I want you to tell me that we should get rid of Bruce Pearl. 39 to 77 with like 10 minutes to go against Vanderbilt at home. You want to oh, sit yeah. here and tell me I was that there Bruce that Pearl game. has not changed this team and this culture and this program? You're out of your mind if you think he should leave. Anyway, I don't want to get too much. Yeah, into no, it. I, I totally agree with you I there, love the Lance. Heat, man. I mean, 100%. Yeah, and then so the last thing I just want to talk about for basketball is, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking about how since Sharif Cooper's injury, everyone's minutes have gone up. Some of these guys dramatically. I mean, Jamal Johnson... Devin Cambridge are both playing over 30 minutes a game. So I went back and did the math. And in those last four games that they played without Cooper because he was injured, Jamal Johnson and Devin Cambridge both averaged over 34 minutes in their last four games. Over the rest of the season before that, those two guys played over 30 minutes in a single game just twice. Wow. It just shows you 
the progression of yeah. the season and what injuries and just the dismantling issues. of yeah. the Auburn basketball roster. Just what yeah, Auburn's just had to what go they through. had to do. They had no other choice. And, and think about it: Auburn beat a t- top twenty-five team, and then they beat a, g- a pretty decent Mississippi State team to finish the season without all these different pieces. Yeah, and State has always given Auburn trouble, at least right. as long as Bruce Pearl has been here, just because they're tall. Mm-hmm. It's just been really difficult to beat Mississippi State because they're they're always good in the trenches. And they've got they've had large guards over the past couple of years. Not as much this year, but they have had yeah. super tall backcourts. And that always Auburn struggles with Jared Harper and Bryce back. Brown couldn't yeah. figure that out. They had a yeah. hard time against. They really them. did. So I just I think that's just what you guys are talking about. How Jamal Johnson has done so well at the point guard position. I I think that just having to play so many more extra minutes when they weren't getting that kind of wear and tear over the rest of the season is remarkable. And he had thirty eight. In this past game against Mississippi I think so, State, yeah, thirty-eight wow. minutes. Gosh, that's a lot. That is a lot. Sting, you got anything else for us? I don't. Hey, I thought those were good numbers, especially well, the Auburn baseball ones. One more thing that I would like to point out is you tell me that if if you had seen Auburn in two thousand fifteen, do you think Auburn had a fifth string point guard in two thousand and fifteen that could put up fourteen points and seven assists in the last game of the season? You talk about the transition talent wise. More as like over fourteen with with you know seven turnovers. <laughs> yeah, it would it would have been a guy like I don't know Zach. It would have been Allison. Patrick Kime. It wouldn't have been Patrick Kime because he was like third or second string. So it would have been a guy like Zach Allison who would ah prob- forget about that guy. Probably never stepped on a on a college court, much less a high school court. So it, but it, think about the transition talent wise, guys. Think about <laughs> what Bruce Pearl has done. <laughs> think about Scary. it. Scary. Think about it. Yeah. No, I just thought that was such a that was that was mean. <laughs> Zach Allison wasn't terrible. I bet he played well from I believe he was from Birmingham. I bet he wasn't a bad high school player. I take that back. I love you, Zach. If you're listening, call. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want him to call now? Do you, I think he might have some words for yeah. you at this point. Well, maybe not. <laughs> anyway. That was that was 2015-2016, Zach Allison as well, by the way. So you're you're a little bit behind on that one. What a time. <laughs> It's been such a long time. And so I think Bruce Pearl's done a fine job, and people just need to kind of pump the brakes. If you're a little unhappy with this year's basketball season, like just just calm down. And um, we'll welcome you back to, to basketball fandom when uh, when Auburn's doing well again because that's typically fair-weather fans that are a little irritated yep. at the moment. So I understand that. That's uh, mm-hmm. People need to probably pump the brakes a little bit. But Sting, appreciate it, my man. There were there there were your numbers there, crunching the numbers with Sting here with some Auburn baseball and Auburn basketball talk. On the other side of this break, we will talk about that Auburn baseball atrocity that happened this past weekend. Stay with us on the line as we wrap up the show. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Last segment of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you in the studio. Before we wrap up On the Line here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the Fantasy Suites episode on The Bachelor beginning tonight at 7 on ABC. Following it at 9, it's a new episode of The Good Doctor. Over on NBC at 7, The Voice continues with the blind auditions. An anti-hero, but a hero nonetheless, Deadpool 2 is on FX Movies at 6.40. Captain Marvel is on TNT at 5.20 with a new episode of Snowpiercer following it at 8. The story behind the stealing of the Death Star blueprints, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is on TBS at 7. Who's ready for some conference tournaments in college basketball with games getting started at 6? Mercer at UNC Greensboro on ESPN and Appalachian State at Georgia State on ESPN 2. Moving to 8, number 1 Gonzaga and St. Mary's take on each other. At 8.30, Drexel at Northeastern on CBS Sports Network and Northern Kentucky at Oakland on ESPN 2. The late game tonight is at 11 on ESPN 2 with Pepperdine at BYU. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Ramping up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Well, it's time to talk about the atrocity that happened this weekend with Auburn baseball falling after leading 9-1 to going into the ninth inning. They were even still up 9-1 to with two outs in the ninth inning, and they lost in extra innings 11-9. to Lance and I were talking on the way today as we were going to grab some food earlier, and I said, man... Never say something's 100% certain because there was Auburn baseball this past weekend and then there was Wright State basketball last week. My last two Wheel of Misfortune nominations <laughs> were teams blowing colossal leads. And uh, Auburn baseball, though, uh, look, I'll tell you guys, I, I take more positives away from this weekend than negatives because for me, Auburn had this series won. And that's such a fluky thing. How often is that going to happen to a baseball team that you blew a nine to one lead? Oh, I'm just happy yeah, they had happen. a nine to one lead. It's nice to look at it again. I hate doing the the moral victory route, but you were up nine to one on this team. This is a very good Boston College team that you had. Just say good, a, a but, good, good basketball or a good baseball team in Boston College that you had them. You had them dead to rights. Right. You. This is a good opportunity for them to learn and move forward as a team. If you don't want to see them what's the word i'm looking for you don't want to see them lose their fight and their momentum because of something like this you don't want this to linger but they could use this you know kind of show some gusto and really go forward and be like hey we're not doing this again that was miserable people were laughing at us we're not going to let this happen again you also just don't want to see it linger you don't want to see yeah, this going to the midway because they got to play uab in birmingham oh. this week and jacksonville state and i could see this being a lingering l I can see this beat them twice. They can't do that. They have to pick up the pieces and move on. Like uh, like I almost said Bruce Pearl, they got to pick up the pieces and move on like Butch Thompson said. I feel like Bruce Pearl said that a lot this year too, though. Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough Maybe year. Maybe not that exact phrase, but, you know, I feel like, you know, kind of the idea of pick up the pieces and move on, that could be the theme for Auburn athletics this year. Like literally in all three major sports. So pick up the pieces and move on. You know, the Alm- I think we've got a name for today. Oh, Trace I think Bright we've lo- got it. Trace Bright looked good. Yes, he did. And Trace this Bright staff, looked good. When they all come back healthy, which nothing looks serious for any of these guys long term, like when they all finally come back, if it can work out we'll be that good. way, yeah. <laughs> like if Auburn can avoid injuries for once in any sport, then they're going to have seven, eight arms deep of a staff that you feel confident in when you put them out there that they're going to do good things more times than not because they've done it against good competition already. And SEC championship teams are seven or eight arms deep. Maybe more sometimes, but if you've got good bats, that can carry you through the tournament. That can get you that that'll at least help you out in the way that the NCAA tournament is structured. If you handle your business in the regional, because the regional is where your arms are taxed the most. 
all right? And then the Super Regional is more like just a regular series, and you can treat that normal. When you get to Omaha, then you're getting taxed pretty heavily there as well, but there's enough time in between, you know, like there's enough time over the course of Omaha that you get your arms back, and if you, you know, you don't have a colossally terrible game or outing from, you know, in one game where you give up 11 runs or something like that, you didn't have to use a ton of arms, you can pace it out pretty well throughout Omaha if you've got enough of them. And Auburn's in that zone now where I think they've got enough depth if everybody comes back healthy. So I'm only taking positives away from this. I think if you, if Auburn blew two leads this year, two, that have defined their start to the 2021 season, they're seven and four right now, they could be nine, they could just as easily be nine and two just as easily they could be 92 the loss to baylor fine they got blown out they got the friday shelled. loss to the friday loss to boston college didn't look good either they got shelled there too but the blown lead on friday to oklahoma back in the round rock classic a couple of weeks ago that one you're up 3-0 throughout the whole ball game you're going into the ninth inning with a lead there if you could just put that game away if you could just find two or three more insurance runs in that game and not have a not have the beginning of a 10 inning stretch without a run you win that Friday game, and we view the Round Rock Classic immensely different. I said that last week when we came back from that disappointing weekend. And then this weekend against Boston College, you needed one out. One out. And if you even find one out this weekend against Boston College, and maybe even you didn't, maybe you lose to Oklahoma, because I understand that one a little bit more because it was only three, it was only 3 0 after the third inning of that game. But it, you're up 9 to 1 in the ninth inning against Boston College. If that changes to a win, we view this Auburn baseball team dramatically different because they just took a a series over a top 25 team a top 20 team and some rankings so i'm not reading into this too much i'm choosing to write this off a little bit more as a fluke and that this auburn team actually played pretty well this weekend for the majority of the time against a good baseball team and if they treated as such and they pick up the pieces and move on they still have a shot to be a pretty pretty darn good baseball team this year in the sec and i I was down on this team going into this weekend i think right now you have to put it behind you you have to look forward to what's going on because you play at uab you got a series against little rock you get to play lipscomb and then you have to go on the road and play a series against the number four team in the country in ole miss you have to be able to put this loss behind you and look forward and say okay we've got some more games to figure out what exactly we're going to do heading into conference play let's relax let's get settled let's focus on what we need to work on and let's just move forward I figured out why uh, Freelick was a Golden Spikes nominee. Yes, you did. I figured that out real quick. He was frolicking this weekend, as My we said last Lord. week. I watched when I saw him hit. I was like, "Oh, I get it. I completely get it." Sorry, my Boston College baseball knowledge. I haven't watched them all this year outside of this weekend. So when I saw it, I said, "Oh, that's why that guy is good." I see it now. I understand. That is a very <laughs> good baseball player. I question the Boston College arms. I do. I don't know how good they are, so I still wonder about this team at the plate on a consistent basis. Got to keep seeing it, but here's the problem. You look at Auburn's schedule moving forward, and you know I ask you guys this question, what does picking up the pieces and moving on mean for Auburn baseball? Well, in the immediate future, this week in the midweek, they've got games against UAB and Jacksonville State. Excuse me, not Jacksonville State. I'm getting them confused. Alabama's playing Jacksonville State this week. Forgive me, guys. They're playing UAB on the road on Tuesday. Uh, that's on their schedule at the moment. That game apparently can be found on CUSA.tv, so that you might be able to watch that one. But that's at UAB and Regents uh, at Regents Field over on Tuesday at 6 p.m. And then they got Arkansas Little Rock this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. You play Lipscomb, so hard to believe, but Auburn is now four games away from SEC play. 
It's wild how quickly it's approached. Five games. I can't count. Five games away from SEC play. Quick maths. How dare you? How dare you not know how to count? <laughs> so One. They got Ole Miss opening SEC play on the road. Then you got South Alabama that's away from home in Montgomery. Then you got Kentucky at home at Arkansas. You got a home series against Mississippi State. You go to Alabama, which this Alabama baseball team's tricky. Florida at home. Georgia on the road. LSU at home. Texas A&M at home. And Missouri on the road to wrap up SEC play. Things get considerably easy as the schedule goes on. But the beginning of SEC play is absolutely brutal. You're playing Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi State as three of your first four SEC series, which are some of the best teams in the country. And then, oh, by the way, coming out of that you have to play alabama to bridge the gap between playing the number one one of the number one teams in the country you know across some of the rankings out there in florida so brutal sec schedule for auburn as it is most years but this year it seems to hit a little bit different that does it for another edition of online you got the drive with bill cameron following us after the show today stay with us on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama we'll see you tomorrow everybody you know where to find us